definitely the most scariest film out there to date. Birds? I, I own oh, I birds. Oh, I hate birds. I hate birds. I hate birds with like, a passion. I hate it. I will say it again. Hold, I hate fucking birds. I had to watch hold that on. for... Okay, I, was, I wasn't sure if you were talking about the movie or just birds no, in general. No, no, the movie... Hello, hello, everyone. It is Halloween now, finally. Well, a week before Halloween. Well, actually, a couple days before Halloween. Um, and this is the last Halloween edition cinematography. And I have a very special guest with me to help me with these two last two movies. And that is... Earthworm from the Anime Brothers. Hello, hello everybody. I have bad news. This call is coming from inside the house. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm honestly super excited that you asked me to do this. Yeah. I, I really enjoy I enjoy reviewing things that aren't anime yes, because same. every week we review anime, so yeah, it's like, it's, I get to branch out and do other media. Yeah, it's a it's a nice like little uh, break from you know all our all our nerd like literally nerdy culture just to start nerding out on American culture that's the thing <laughs> you know let's you got to break it up sometimes it's like a that sections of nerddom we sometimes we just need to go out and it's like you know what no I just I want some like I want some English high fantasy today. Yeah. I want some horror today. I'm I'm tired of animated. Right. People. Fuck these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's why um, I I'm so glad that Sam and I started like branching out and doing these like extra episodes and especially like our cinematography series and stuff. So uh because like i love movies and i love to talk about movies and everything like that i mean when ethan was on like i told him that you know whenever i feel like watching a movie cuz i have like a huge movie collection um in my library so i'll just like pick a stack of like maybe 5 or 6 movies out of my library and i'll just sit them by the tv and Whenever I feel like watching one of them, I'll just pick pick one up and and put it in my PlayStation. And I'll watch him. So that's too funny. You and um, you and my uh, my co-host for anybody who hasn't listened to to the Anime Brothers, my co-host JD, and you are the exact same. He has in his basement a like wall full of DVDs <laughs> and Blu-rays that he's just amassed over the years. Yeah, he's always asking me to watch them, and I'm like, I don't know, man. You want me to commit an hour and a half to two hours just sitting here? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's just so much fun. And and now, you know, with streaming, you know, HBO Max and like Paramount Plus, like all of these kind of companies are branching out to like streaming stuff and everything. Like now my library is even bigger than it is currently. So. Yeah, yeah. No, HBO Max has been a godsend because uh, I have I've gotten more into movies the older I've gotten. Mm -hmm. I, I find my attention spans a little bit longer now. So, uh, yeah, it's awesome. Like all, it's so many goddamn classics on there. Obviously, it's HBO. Yeah. They've all been filtered through there at some point. But 
yeah, it's that's where I watched. Yeah, that's where I watch Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, actually. yeah. And by the way, guys, uh, we're doing our reviews for A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original ni- from 1984 that was directed by Wes Craven. And then um, the other review we're doing, we're doing uh, John Comperder- Carpenter's uh, Halloween from 1978. So I'm very excited for these two movies. So, But before we get into that, um, I want you guys to head over to Spotify and give us a rating so we can get to 100 ratings. The last time I checked, we were at 85 so uh, we need to get 200 ratings so we can get uh, do our um, live Twitch stream so we can give out giveaways and do video gamings and all that fun stuff. And also for me to do my dumbass School Days review. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch school, Jay, school Days just so I know what you're oh, talking about and can have some oh reference. God. Um, no, you don't yeah. want to watch it. <laughs> Uh, um, but yeah, no, Danny, Danny is being nice. She's asking you listeners, please go over to Spotify. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you go over to Spotify right now. Are you an Apple podcast listener? First of all, I use Apple podcast and it sucks. So stop using it. Um, go over to Spotify, listen to 30 seconds of these wonderful people and take, Aww. take a minute and a half out of your day and press that five star not not even not even to get the benefits of anything just do it to be a good goddamn person or else all right arthur you're gonna make me tear up (laughs) oh no no unnecessary it's just well it blows my mind because it's like you guys are you're like these pioneers of anime podcasting and I see other podcasts that are like not nearly half as good as Aww. you, us included, getting getting these Spotify ratings. And I'm like, did people not know? Have they not heard about the summit, <laughs> about the mountain that is Anime <laughs> Summit? What, what are we doing here? Anyway, I will I will stop jerking off the oh, podcast. Oh no, you're now good. You're good. This is horror. this is all fun. This is all fun. That's what like I love about the 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 ex episodes. Is, you know, you can just you know filibuster and rail off all you want half the time so but um, i'm i'm really really good at that <laughs> yeah so be me careful too how same. Much leeway you give me. <laughs> same um but before i actually do want to congratulate you in like a voice i don't want to say in person because i'm not in front of you but like on voice on your 100 ratings and stuff so Thank um, you. All you have to do is offer up um, to to dress up in a bunny girl yeah. suit that will not fit you. Apparently, yeah. that's that's all you got to yeah. do. Yeah, when I saw JD post the the um the three co- like the three cosplay costumes, I literally was all like, "There's no point in me voting because I know which one is going to be picked." So now I gotta ask though, what what were what other one were you thinking, Kaguya-sama, or did you want to give me some dignity with the sides of my pick? <laughs> no, I mean I voted anyway. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I I voted for Kaguya-sama, uh... which honestly would would probably work out the best. I've got nice long hair. Like all I'd have to do is get somebody to do it up. Like I I think I'd rock that one, yeah. but. I, I guess the, you know, sex sells that the people want me to show a little skin. So here yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah. But it's fine. It's all good. You make it work. It'll be fine. I'll do my best. <laughs> That'll be so fun to see on video and everything like that. I'm excited for that. 
I am excited and I'm also stressing out because not only do I have to embarrass myself, but it's like, oh boy, I get to learn a whole new skill set. I get to learn how to video edit. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Good luck. I mean, you know, I don't know anything about that. I'm, I'm starting to get the hang of like video, not video editing, like audio editing um, and stuff. So, and that's a chore half the time. So. It's honestly, audio editing is 90% listening back to your episode yeah. and tediously cutting out little mic bumps mm-hmm. and coughs, and then yeah. 10% knowing how to work in EQ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so let's let's get let's get right into it. Um, All right, let's yeah. get into the spooky. So we're gonna do a nightmare on Elm Street first, and then we will do um, John Carpenter's Halloween. So, because um, before we actually recorded, I was talking to Earthworm a little bit, and our views on these two movies are about the same. So we're just gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, before we actually start reviewing, I, I want to ask you uh, at least a couple of questions. Yeah, go ahead. So you you said to me, and I think you've said to the world, you you know, this isn't really your thing. Scary movies aren't your, you know, Psalm is a, a slut for scary yes. movies. You not so much. Yeah. So um, what is your experience with scary movies? Did you have one when you were a kid that like scared you off? Um, so when I was a kid, I mean, I never I mean my parents weren't really the type of people to watch scary movies so I didn't really grow up with it plus like I'm an only child so I didn't have any siblings or older siblings who like watched any scary movies and stuff so plus there are a couple Disney movies that creeped me the fuck out like um Alice in Wonderland creeped me out uh, that'll do it um, yeah pinocchio really freaked me out and dumbo also scared okay, was me was pinocchio the um was it the scene where all the kids are turning into yes because i've heard that one scares the shit out of kids yes that one scared the shit out of me and then in dumbo uh with like the weird looking elephants like that psychedelic kind of scene that happens. Yeah, I think that... I know which one you're talking yeah. about. I'm not very versed on Disney movies. I'm, I apologize. Uh, put your pitchforks down. Oh, that's down, it. Canceled. Can- canceled. I <laughs> show, <laughs> fucking show's over. <laughs> Fuck you, Earthworm. <laughs> Trust me, I've gotten it from every girlfriend I've ever had Aww. and everybody else in my life. They're like, what the hell? You don't like The Lion King? I'm like, I never said I didn't like it. I just haven't watched it. Oh my gosh. Okay, I, I have seen it since, but I was okay. like, 16 okay okay i mean that's (laughs) fair it's fine you're not completely uncultured swine so okay thank you you're off the hook for now (laughs) thank you Um, so my other question is is before before these two how like are there any prominent horror movies that maybe a friend had shown you or yeah strictly no horror yeah so like for a very long time like as i grew up um i did not like horror movies like I mean I didn't like anything horror like when it came to tv shows movies and even video games for that matter um when when I was growing up my group of friends whenever like a lot of my friends liked horror games specifically um Resident Evil Silent Hill and there was a um video game i can't remember what it was called but there was like a clock tower in it 
and hmm. um yeah so and the specific time that they liked to play these games was at night and i hated it so that sounds literally awful, that was honestly when it was it when it became dark out that's it danielle went home it's all like okay guys <laughs> i'll see you tomorrow peace out yo like <laughs> I'm gonna go home and watch. Disney Literally, with the I'm gonna on. go home and not not be be like terrorized. So, um, but the first like scary movie that I watched uh, was Re- the Resident Evil movie. Okay, and yeah, yeah. That was at a birthday party. Um, and it was it was at my friend's birthday party. And everyone, and and when I found out that we were fucking watching this movie, I'm all like, seriously, like, you guys know that I don't like scary movies. Like, why are we watching this? Like, and throughout the whole entire time, like, I was just not having a good time at all. Like, I kept asking, like, is that person going to die? Is that person going to die? Is that person going to die? And, like, they, (laughs) everyone, like, hated me. They're all like, Danielle, shut the fuck up. (laughs) <laughs> like just watch the movie i'm like no i don't want to watch this movie like so <laughs> you made me do this yeah. i'm gonna ruin it for the yeah, rest of you yeah so yeah and then like over time i think the one kind of like quote-unquote scary movie that i did want to willingly see was um i think it was called dark water it was like um it's like the American version of um it was like it, it was a Japanese thing. And okay. yes, it was Dark Water. And then they they did it was like a two thousand two Japanese horror. And I think in like two thousand seven um Hollywood decided to um take a dab at it it wasn't good at all um okay (laughs) yeah it was pretty bad um so yeah so that and then like maybe like five years later like five honestly like it was very recent like five years ago um a friend of mine um he made me watch uh the reboot of the evil dead okay uh how how did that go uh not good because i was stoned oh no and uh i flat out told him i said if we fucking watch this movie we have to watch we have to watch a comedy because i am not going home like I no, yeah. like I am I am I can't leave. Yeah, here with like these I cannot leave. Around. Yeah, I cannot leave. Like we have to watch something else or else I won't be able to go to sleep. So we ended up watching Days and Confused after and I ended up going home at like three AM. Hell yeah, that's a much <laughs> better movie to watch after you've smoked a little of the giggle. Bush. Yeah, yeah. So but at, over time, like I started to get a little bit more curious and like I do like watching you know certain scary movies like i'm more of a thriller type of gal so like um rosemary's baby it i i really enjoy that movie um like literally kind of like and like um 
The Sixth Sense is another one that I I can watch and stuff. So like and and even like as I as I got older, like in my 20s, like a lot of my friends during Halloween, we would have like a movie marathon and we would go to a friend's house and they would have like two TVs and at the same time we would play the movie. So like there would be a group in one room and then there would be another group in the other room. And we watched the same movie at the same time. So, um, and those were fun. I, I, I mean, I didn't enjoy them because a lot of the movies were really scary. So, sure, <laughs> sure, just find a friend to talk to and whisper. Yeah, in the yeah. Like my whole thing when it comes to horror, like one, I need, I need the lights on. Uh, I need a security blanket, and um, either that's if I, I'm by myself. Like, I definitely need the lights on or, like, some sort of light that needs to be on around me. Um, but if I'm but if I'm, if I'm with friends, like, again, like, the lights have to be on and I need a security blanket. So. Yeah. Um, Fair. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> so. Hell yeah. But to ba- back to these movies, that's, like, my history with horror. I dig um, it. I dig it. With these, uh... The Netflix docuseries, The Movies That Made Us, they talk about these movies. They talk about John Carpenter's Halloween, and they talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street. And that kind of struck my curiosity on these horror films. Plus, they're from, like, the late 70s and early 80s. So these old horror movies are, like, super campy. They can be. And, there's, uh, yeah. there's a lot of cheese to them. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think at the movie after, like the last, before these movies, the last um, like old horror movies that I I watched were the original um, Evil Dead movies, Evil Dead 1 and Evil Dead 2. Uh-huh. And I think it was J- uh, Friday the 13th 5. I watched with a friend so okay and they were su- like again like they were not scary at all they were super campy and stuff so they didn't really like I didn't have nightmares after I watched them <laughs> no that may especially some of the later like uh, uh just the other day they had a Friday the 13th marathon on and me and my partner caught a, a good bit of, I think the sixth one or something yeah and- yeah. There's this whole scene with like people out playing like a paintball and there's like military fucking music and I'm, yeah. I'm like, this isn't scary. What are we <laughs> yeah, doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um yeah, so like I feel like these old horror flicks I can kind of handle because like because of the times and also I guess like that docuseries, the movie that made us, kind of helped me realize like how they made the movies and stuff like that so it made me feel like okay this may not be as bad as as i'm putting it out to be and stuff yeah yeah once you see the guy like the guy that's the killer be just a regular dude sitting in a chair it helps a little bit yeah yeah so that i mean and 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 that's the thing like over time i i did start to become a little bit more curious on horror flicks and anything that is technically quote-unquote scary 
Mm-hmm. Um, like movies and TV are definitely different. Video games, however, like I, I do not touch them. Like because I'm actually no. experiencing experience. I'm I'm experiencing it myself. And I cannot stand jump scares at all. Like, yeah, I, I I'm right there with you. I've heard people. Um, I listened to a, a podcast about the role playing game Call of Cthulhu, which is a horror based game. And one of the hosts is like, I've been into horror for 40 years. Nothing scared me anymore. I picked up a PlayStation One and played like Resident Evil or Silent yeah, Hill. Yeah, And I about shit my pants. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll watch freaking Markiplier play like these fucking scary ass like scary ass games like he played the forest with a group of his friends but i thought that was fucking hilarious because they were scared shitless so yeah yeah you're like (laughs) look at this fool i'd fucking cry because of a video game. yeah (laughs) yeah so like i'll watch somebody play a horror game like i watched somebody play uh the last of us and because i was curious about the game because that's the same video game company that does the uncharted games and yeah yeah it's um naughty dog right yes yeah so yes. i was curious like because i love because uncharted is m- one of my favorite uh game franchises so i was curious about what n- what more games did naughty dog do and the last of us was one of them so and i actually do have the game it came with my playstation 4 for free so but i knew i wasn't gonna like it because it's zombies and apocalyptic shit and I was just like "Uh, no so I watched somebody play it and that right right then and there I'm like yeah I'm not gonna play this game because (laughs) there are certain events that happen in that game and I know I will be terrified so yeah yeah and it doesn't help uh help your situation at all when you throw the controller across the room and curl up into a ball yeah yeah so um, but yeah, so let's get started. We're going to start with uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street. And A Nightmare on Elm Street is a 1984 uh, supernatural slasher film written and directed by Wes Craven and produced by Robert Shaw. It is the first installment of the A Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, and it stars uh, Heather uh Heather Lang- Langclamp, I guess that's her last name. I'm sorry if anyone knows like these people who. It is an unconventional yeah. last name. It is I a very weird one. Um. Anyway, John Saxon, uh, Ronnie Blakely, Robert. Uh, oh gosh, England, <laughs> I guess. Uh, Robert England. Oh, England. Yeah. Okay, H- who is Freddy Krueger and Johnny Depp, which is this film is. Johnny Depp's film debut. So yeah, who, who knew? Yeah, like who knew we'd we'd get a teenage heartthrob? Yeah, <laughs> uh, out of out of this ridiculously cheesy uh, supernatural horror movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, the movie estimated budget was one point one million. Uh, the movie was released on November 9th, nineteen eighty four, and grossed. Uh, up to 57 million worldwide. Um, the reviews for this was considered one of the greatest horror films ever made, uh, spanning a franchise consisting of six sequels, a television series, and a crossover with Friday the 13th, 
uh, various amongst other merchandise and a remake with the same name. It's also, aside from that, um, it was the very first film that produced uh, by New Line Cinema, which Robert Shaw created New Line Cinema. And it was pretty much kind of like the pinnacle, the pretty much uh, Freddy's house, uh, the house that Freddy built was the nickname for New Line Cinema. So yeah, I have, I learned that watching the um the movies that made us docu series, and it blew my mind. I had no idea Freddy Freddy Krueger was responsible yeah. for the rush hour movies inadvertently. Yeah, so, like, like honestly, there were a lot of films that New Line Cinema did, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, yes, Lord of the Rings, for that matter. That uh, one blew my the mind. The Hobbit, like, I... Sex in the City, Harold and Kumar, Jesus. Final Destination, uh, the first Blade, the Austin Powers movies, so Friday, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, um, yeah, yeah. So they did uh, the remake It, and they did the Conjuring series, and then they also did the movie Shazam. Wow, for I don't know why. But I thought New Line Cinema had got out of business. I, I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> and then you start naming off all these like brand new movies. I'm like, holy shit, they are still yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. Well, in 2008, so it says, um, where is it? Uh, aside from stunts, uh, polyester, and alone in the dark, it was the first... Uh, it was the first film produced by New Line Cinema, who by that point mostly distributed films, leading the company to become a successful film studio up until 2008, because in 2008 they merged with Warner Brothers. Okay, that must be what I'm thinking yeah. of then. So on February 28th, 2008, Time Warner CEO at the time, Jeffrey uh, Bukies, announced that New Line would be shut down as a separately operated studio. Uh, Shay and Lynn said that they would step down uh, with a letter to their employees. So Shay, Robert Shay is no longer a part of New Line Cinema anymore. Um, so, yeah. Um, I mean, it happens, like, sometimes, uh, studio films can't provide a lot of things, especially nowadays, for sure. So, but, I mean, it's, it's like the whole, like, Crunchyroll and Funimation fusion and how Disney, um bought out 20th century fox and all that kind of stuff so like it exactly. it, it happens um, and like you guys say all the time it uh mostly about anime but it, it's about the people that are actually like on on set doing the work it's not mm-hmm. so much about the company name but like the individual people who are, beh- are behind the project is always more important yes yeah um so but overall uh, this movie, the plot for it, it's about um, teenager, uh, t- like four teenagers. Uh, one of them, Tina Gray, she awakens from a terrifying nightmare wherein a disfigured man wearing a blade fixed glove attacks her in, in a boiler room. Her mom points out uh, four mysterious slashes on her nightgown. 
following morning, Tina, Tina's best friend, Nancy Thompson, and Nancy's boyfriend, Glenn, Glenn Lance, who is played by Johnny Depp, uh, consoles her, revealing they each also had a nightmare the previous night. Um, the two stayed at, t- at Tina's house uh, when Tina's mother goes out, out of town, where she discovers that Nancy also had a nightmare about the disfigured man. Tina's boyfriend, Rod Lane, inter- interrupts their sleepover. When Tina falls asleep, she dreams of the disfigured man chasing her. Rod is awakened by Tina's thrashing, thrashing and sees her dragged and fatally sl- slashed by an unseen force, forcing her to forcing him to flee as Nancy and Glenn uh, wake up to find Tina bloodied up and dead. So, um, yeah. So the story kind of follows uh, Nancy mainly. Ma- Nancy is the main character practically throughout the whole entire film. Um, and throughout the film, Na- a lot of people around Nancy think that Nancy is delusional and, and this made-up disfigured man is a mat like, a you know, it's all in her head and everything because after Tina died, uh, authorities were convinced that Rod, uh, who's Tina's boyfriend, was the one who killed her because of his delinquent background. So, but yeah. it turned out that that's not what happened. Yeah, so. that's like that's something that I actually really like about the whole idea about Friday the Thirteenth, and I, I think I end up liking the idea well, this more is, than uh, I like the execution. This is a nightmare on Elm Street. I'm sorry, I, I, I get them confused <laughs> all the time. One is Jason, and this. the other one's Freddy. So yeah, we're talking know, about Freddy. I, I, I know. <laughs> I know they did a crossover and stuff, but we're not talking did. about that one. <sighs> yeah, I'm just embarrassed myself on the podcast. Here, you're a guest wake. Come on, man, figure it out. You're All good, right. You're um, good. <laughs> what I like about a nightmare on Elm Street um, mm-hmm. is that like the idea of something coming at you in your dreams, I think is legitimately terrifying. Yeah. And the whole time, like you said, Nancy's it's essentially a movie of how much can we gaslight Nancy into thinking that all of these things that she's providing fairly good proof for. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but how how much can we gaslight this poor teenage girl into thinking that she's going crazy? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it was a little, little racy. Like, literally, throughout this whole movie, like, literally, no one believed her. I mean, her own boyfriend, Glenn, was even, like, doubting her and stuff like that. Um, even though he had the same you know, nightmares and stuff, but he didn't even, like, consider on, like, he didn't believe it. Like, he's just all, like, no, that's, like, he was just kind of, like, disregarding it and stuff, so. Um, yeah, yeah, which I guess, like, I, I can relate because for the most part, like, I'm not a big believer in in the supernatural or ghost or anything, mm-hmm. so when, when one of my buddies is like, dude, I know I saw a ghost, I'm like, okay, pal, take it easy. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess I can relate to, to his feelings, but when I, I like to think that if one of my friends woke up with, like, claw marks or something, you know, that's when I'm going to start taking the shit a little more yeah, seriously. Yeah, I mean, you should definitely question, like, like she didn't do that herself and and everything like that, so... Um, yeah, like, it's, 
it was weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I still, I think the idea of Freddy Krueger is just, is just terrifying. Yeah. Like I, I like to sleep. I, I mean, I, I do too. Yeah. Good. I can only, yeah. I can't imagine like not being able to sleep and stuff or like forcing myself not to sleep. So I don't die. Like, absolutely not. Yeah. Like after the after he tries to kill me once, I'm gonna try to stay up, crash out in 20 minutes, and be like, you know what, man, this will just be quicker if I just sit here. Yeah. Like, just get it over with. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What? Well, a brief history. Like, what is like a Nightmare on Elm Street kind of like one of your favorite horror flicks or anything like that? Like. It was for a while, so kind of like you, I was never a big fan of horror. I guess I wouldn't really say I was against it. I just, it was never something that really piqued my interest. Gotcha, gotcha. So okay. I, I had only caught a few here and there. Nightmare on Elm Street was one that I ended up seeing as like a teenager or whatever. Mm, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remembered like it actually frightened me the first time I saw it. Like I was kind of afraid to go to sleep yeah. and like it horror movies I'd seen after that. <laughs> Yeah, like, so I'm, and I hadn't seen it in years, so I'm, like, telling everybody, like, fucking Freddy Krueger, man, first Nightmare on Elm Street, legitimately terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So going back and watching it, though, I think the practical effects were just too damn cheap. Oh, they were so cheap. I mean, they even said that in, in the documentary, too, like... Yeah, like, yeah, they were their practical effects budget was like fifty thousand dollars or something, yeah. and, which is nothing for a movie, a surrealist horror movie that's supposed to be bending reality. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's dirt cheap. Not only that, but like, I mean, Robert Shaw, Bob Shaw, like he was the one who's producing it, so he's ob- and he was obviously the one who was paying the the crew, the staff and crew and stuff. So. And they had a lot of financial troubles while they were filming this. They, I think they even said that for at least like two weeks, there was no pay. So, yeah, yep. They did mention um, like the uh, head producer or whatever, that, that blonde woman that was in there. She had to call multiple people yeah. and be like, we'll pay you next week. Yeah, I like promise. promise like, please send don't... us the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that. Oh, yeah. She was freaking pregnant and like um, literally on her birthing bed, she had to call the guy who does who did the music for it. Um, I'm trying to find music. Uh, the composer was Charles Bertstein. Okay. Um, and I forget the woman's name. I, I, I feel bad for not knowing who she was. Um, she was a very prominent figure in the documentary. If you listen to yeah. her out there and are like, I need to know. Yeah. 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 Watch it. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. She had to freaking call him up and was all like, we need, we need the music. The guy who was supposed to come over to your office, he got into an accident and it was like a hit and run and it was really serious and he kind of ran out of town and he took the money that we were supposed to give you. So, and he was just like, okay, um, it's fine. <laughs> All right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, before that, um, Wes Craven didn't show up to the first day of, of like the pre- reading or shooting. Or yeah. Whatever. The reading yeah. because his, his agent was all like, there's no money. So you can't go like until there's money, <laughs> you, you can go like, there's no guarantee. Like you have to get paid. Like it was, it was, yeah. 
it was like a roller coaster and it was insane like how wild it was to see like everything just went into shambles when it came to the finance the finance of this movie and stuff yeah this movie had no business being made let alone creating a media empire and it did both yeah yeah not only that but they had like 10 different endings because Wes, because Wes and and bob were kind of like on opposite ends on it and there were certain things that Wes wanted in the film and there were certain things that Bob wanted in the film like for example the oatmeal uh sunken steps yeah Wes did (laughs) not want those steps in the movie but Bob did and Wes is all like okay then well you can direct that because I'm not going to direct that (laughs) (laughs) So so you mentioned the multiple endings. I, I, I'm i curious. I guess we're skipping right ahead as far as like reviewing the actual movie. Uh, but ha- oh. how did you feel about the ending that got chosen? Oh, like, man. Because you know there must have been, like, what they say? There was probably 20 different options. Yeah. And they went yeah, with this one? Yeah. I think at least a few of them, they were all like, um, just have, you know, Freddie be dead and like have uh nancy just move on or whatever something like that i can't remember um uh, one of them the one wes craven wanted was the the same kind of ending except the kids just get in the car and they just drive yeah. away but then it zooms into the little girl still, still singing the song yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's very cryptic yeah. and, and you as the audience are like what is he dead is he alive yeah well, I yeah don't know. so a little thing about wes um especially with this movie because wes craven really cared about this film um throughout the documentary series he they mentioned that uh a nightmare on elm street was wes's baby like he really cared about this film um so and there were just very particular things that he wanted in the film and everything like that so but with Bob being there, there was this wacky freaking ending where um, Nancy's mom, like Nancy goes into the uh, into Glenn's car with all the rest of the kids and the hood of the car uh, slams down and locks by themselves and the windows roll up and they're like freaking out and the the car drives away and Nancy looks at her mom who's waving at them goodbye because you can see the concerned face in Nancy and all of a sudden Freddie um like his hand Freddie's hands like slams out into the uh window of the door and Nancy's mom gets pulled and dragged into the itty bitty little window that's in the door and that's how the movie ends who we're led to believe is nancy's mom but we can obviously see it's just a mannequin yeah yeah i again (laughs) it was in the 80s poor like special effects and everything like that i know i love the special effects guy straight up says he's like it was not yeah yeah (laughs) like no even the crew said like that was a dumb ending like so and I 100% agree with them. I think that was a stupid ending to end a freaking movie. I would have liked, I don't know, 
maybe any of the other freaking endings that they had. Sure. And I think you had gold because like I, I've watched it recently. And one of my big complaints about that movie is like at the end, the kids just say, well, we're not afraid of you. So we win. And that's kind of how they beat him. Yeah. And was then this in, in the original in or, the, Street, or the new one? Uh, this was in the remake. Okay. I haven't seen the original original. Okay. Um, the one with um, uh, Tim Curry the kid from Stranger Things. And Tim yeah, Curry. I haven't seen this. Yeah, I have not seen the Tim Curry one. Okay. It is on my list, but it's three hours long, and I don't know when I'm going to sit down and watch a three-hour movie. That's so intimidating. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, but anyway, so Nightmare on Elm Street has this, like, faux ending where Nancy pretty much says, like, I'm not afraid of you, Freddy, yeah. and he disappears. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah. at the end, they kind of show that, I think Wes Craven's idea of just hinting at the fact that Freddy was still alive right. was way scary. Right. It's like, holy fuck, right. because this th- guy cannot be beat. Yeah, because throughout the whole thing, Wes wanted the viewers to kind of question, like, are they in reality or are they in a dream? They didn't want to um, pretty much... They didn't want you to... They, they, they wanted you to be... Uh, um, skeptic on what is reality and what is a dream kind of thing. So, Without a doubt. Right. So, and that's what I definitely kind of, um, like, on pos- on a positive note. I will say, I, this was not my favorite film. <laughs> Understandable. It's tough to go back and watch seriously. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, like, it's super campy and everything. Uh, you could totally tell that, like, it at the time, I think $1.1 million is a slightly low-budget film. Um, but also, again, it's the 80s. So I wasn't really, like, expecting anything, like, anything dramatic to happen or anything like that. I knew what I was yeah. getting myself into with this. So, um yeah, so it's definitely, again, and it's really not one of my favorite films, but, like, there are, like, really some I- good iconic scenes that this movie developed and pretty much is, like, that cult classic kind of, like, for filmmaking in general because of the techniques that they used during the film, Um which is oh, yeah. what the movies that made us kind of like help you establish on what uh, on how they did certain things. So um, a couple of scenes that I really enjoyed were um, the bathtub scene with yes. uh, Freddy's glove uh, kind of poking out between Nancy's legs in the bathtub. The um, Glenn, the Glenn's death scene. Was also so over the top. Yeah, which was freaking awesome. Um, And honestly, like, I mean, Tina's death was pretty interesting too. And um, also over time, like, you do see Tina uh, here and there, especially in Nancy's dreams, like during when Nancy fell asleep uh, in class. And yeah, Tina's and like Tina's in, in like the, the yeah in in the 
um, the body bag and it's yeah. all bloody and everything. And you just see like a trail of blood, just like and Nancy's just following it and stuff. And there is that one girl who kind of like she had like her a nosebleed and her freaking sweater was Freddie's sweater and all that kind of stuff. So that was like a little yeah. interesting. Like, oh, that's Fred. Like that like gave you a hint like, oh, that's Freddie right there and stuff. Um, and then Nancy you know, turned away from that person and you just saw Tina like in the body bag and her legs were like lifted up and she was just like dragged. So there are like really good scenes that are like kind of really scary if you really think about it in in this movie. Um, But honestly, I think the really like the the killjoy of this movie is the ending, in my opinion. Yeah, so. yeah, it, it just went too far on the cheese factor. Like, I was so willing to overlook a lot of the other stuff, but then seeing that mannequin yeah. slide through the window <laughs> killed me. I was like, oh, all right, yeah, here we go. Yeah, it was, it was dumb, and in all honesty, I really, I honestly think that Bob, sh- like, because he was the one who was really, like, pushing for that, for that ending, Mm-hmm. and that's yeah and that yeah he should have just stayed he should have just the, left it alone thing. like because they were honestly the two like wes and and bob were going back and forth between what movie what ending they should do and then bob kind of i guess like he kind of threw up his hands or i can't remember what they said like whether it was wes that said whatever which pick up whichever ending you want I think or that's how it went. It, I'm pretty sure Wes just gave up so he could make the fucking movie. Yeah, I don't I don't remember. Um but yeah, like there was just like, and then all of a sudden like Bob calls up the editor and was all like, "Hey, like I need do you have the ending with the mannequin getting pulled um in because I told this guy from I think Paramount Pictures that this was gonna be the ending and blah 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 and I and you know and I honestly I think Bob just fucked up there and was all like, without a doubt like literally he just wanted this movie to kind of kind of be uh you know a big hit and everything like that and I mean in the end it was like it definitely skyrocketed in in areas and and of course like it's a cult classic it it helped make other horror films in the industry uh, and the genre of horror. So in that aspect, it definitely helped. But with that ending, I think it's just complete bullshit. <laughs> so Yeah, I, I get it. It's it's funny, too, because I was my, my partner. She's a product of the 80s. She's she's much older than I am. So she grew up with with Freddie. Like, oh, OK. That's her thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She loves. Um, so we watched it together, and I told her afterwards. I'm like, I'm, I think I didn't like it as much as I wanted to, and she was disappointed. And I start explaining all the things that I disliked. You know, I thought, honestly, I thought the music was kind of cheesy. And again, that might be because this is 2022, and this, and it was made in 1984. Yeah. But the music was so so 80s. Yeah. It hurt. <laughs> See, like, like I can kind of uh, disagree with you on that because, like, I think it really fits the scenario and the themes that go on in the in the film. So, like, it's kind of it's kind of typical for it. So and I think that's what kind of works well 
with the movie because of the time that it was it was in and everything like that. No, so. I, I do respect that. And even though I thought like just on the outset, the music's pretty cheesy. Um, mm-hmm. And this will go into like one of my, my favorite scene of the movie. But uh, I there was a point where the music started playing and I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> This is this is a dumb soundtrack. Why is my heart racing? What the what the fuck? Uh, and it was the scene where uh, uh, Nancy goes to whoever Tina's boyfriend was, but she goes to visit him oh, in jail. Oh, uh, Rob Lane. Rob, yeah, Rod Lane. Yeah, yeah, and it's a really long scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we're led to believe that it's all in reality, and then just at the end of the scene, you find out that this has all been a dream. I was like, hold, yeah. that's actually put a little bit of fear into my heart yeah with that like yeah that 80 synth going in the background and just pulsating mm-hmm. i was like all right i get it i'm i'm, I'm a little scared yeah <laughs> so that so you would say that would that be kind of like your favorite part in the film or i honestly think so uh like you mentioned some iconic scenes like we all i think we all love watching johnny depp turn just into getting a... sucked into his bed and then uh, you know yeah. freaking a, a gallon water fountain of blood literally a fat yeah a fountain of blood just spews out <laughs> like that's wonderful but i think like like you mentioned Wes craven wanted to blur the lines between reality and a dream and i think that sequence did it better than any sequence in the movie yeah because i yeah. was legitimately fooled other times there are cues like you said that girl has freddy sweater on well this is probably a dream that for this few minutes there were no visual cues that this yep. was a dream mm-hmm it was only very it, it was definitely very subtle when you then you start to figure out oh yes this is a dream kind of thing um especially when when you know freddie actually does appear kind of kind of stuff um yeah or yeah, because then you you're really i i personally was really in the mind of the character because up until then it's like you you can't this movie can't fool me yeah, and yeah, then yeah. it just fooled me and then i'm like ah oh, fuck I'm, yeah. I'm dead <laughs> yeah seriously the same um so do we want to talk about anything else or do we want to move on to halloween i think i think i'm good as far as nightmare on elm street goes okay uh so okay one one last thing uh what would you rate this film oh this is interesting because i don't have anything to compare it to well it's not as good as neos genesis evangelion oh my gosh (laughs) um i think i'm gonna give it a seven Wow. Okay. I I really think I am because I I I believe most of my critiques are because of being looking back on the movie forty years later. Almost. Mm -hmm. I think if at the time I I really believe that the practical effects weren't nearly as bad as as they are now. Right. I think the music would have fit, like you said, it fit the time period. So if that music was normal, it wouldn't have struck me so much. Right, yeah. And especially after seeing all the production issues that they went through, like, I have a lot of respect for for this movie and just the fact that it was able to get made and it it really shook up the horror genre at the time. Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. And and like I said, like, it, it helped develop more inspiring people to do horror and stuff like that especially today and everything i mean we wouldn't have the horror stuff that we have now if it wasn't for um 
this film and also Halloween, uh, John Carpenter's Halloween as well. Like very true. Um, so a couple of pioneers right here. Yeah. So like this is definitely, and this is why I kind of really wanted to do like these movies in particular because it these these movies are pretty much what started the horror genre that we know today and everything like that. So, I mean, yeah, and it's the yeah, same. Yeah, unless you want to go back to, like, 1920s Italian films. Right, but that's going a little too right. far. And, I mean, well, and if we really want to go back, you know, we can we can freaking talk about um, um, Alfred Hitchcock. Like, Alfred Hitchcock yeah. films were, at the time, the scariest movies ever. Like, Psycho, for example, was definitely the most scariest film out there to date. I'm birds i i own oh i birds. hate birds i hate birds i, I hate birds I with like, a passion i hate it i will say it again hold, i hate fucking birds i had to watch that on. for okay i was i wasn't <laughs> sure if you were talking about the movie or just birds no in general. no the movie okay. alfred hitchcock's right. the birds i hate that fucking movie that movie is so stupid i hate it <laughs> okay. i absolutely hate it so much with a passion <laughs> <laughs> i love it i hate it Oh man! I've I've never seen it. Just the premise of a bunch of birds oh, grouping man. around my house is terrifying. Yeah. I own birds. I know how vindictive they can be. Yeah. Um. I mean, I I don't. Have you ever seen it? Like, or... I have. Okay. I, I've I have not. All right. Um. I mean, it's. Is it boring? Is that what the problem? I really don't want to get into this. Because... Okay, all right, yeah, we'll be here here for a while. We can save it for a cinematography episode. I would totally would love to talk about um, some Alfred Hitch, like uh, old, old, like before, like movies before the 1980s. Like I would, I would totally be into that. Um, I mean, I'm I'm definitely down. If if you can tell me where to watch it, yeah, I'll sign me up. I'm okay. Cool. Do it. Cool. Well, we'll planning on the podcast. I love it. Um, so, yeah, so, okay, so my rating for this film is definitely, again, not one of my favorites, so I think I'm gonna give it, like, a 6.8. Respectable. So, because the ending was definitely not one of my favorite endings. I really wish, really, really wish freaking Wes could have pushed for a different ending or maybe even, like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not that interested in owning this film or anything like that. Maybe on like their Blu-ray or something, they would they'll they would have given you like alternate endings because some movies like for the the ownership of the DVD or Blu-ray will have like alternate endings. You know, like the what ifs. Like these were the possible yeah. endings that could have happened for the movie. So, no, that's a really good idea. I never even thought of that, but that's a genius idea. Yeah. So, or like they could have done the whole like this is Wes Craven's like ending kind of thing. Like, I don't. Yeah, know. it's like the Zack Snyder cut of uh of Elm Street. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, yeah, like definitely like a director's cut or something like that. That w- I feel like. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Wes definitely got the ball handed to him when he was working with Bob. So 
Oh, yeah. And I mean, it, it goes to show that making a movie is a lot different than like traditional art. If you want to paint something, you paint whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. You don't need a guy funding a million dollars to paint this this piece. Yeah. And also struggling to get that money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Promising you a million dollars. We're not knowing where it's going to come yeah, from. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, okay, so let's move on to John Carpenter's Halloween. Um, All right. Yeah, this one, I think, is the winner out of the two films that that we were reviewing today. So um, I personally think that this is art. Like, this is honestly art right here. I agree. I'm a John Carpenter fan now. I'm buying a jacket with his name on the back. I'm I'm all in. This is the first movie I've seen of his, and I'm already. Oh, a really? Fan. Okay. Really, I've heard of the thing, which I really want to watch. I just can't find anywhere uh, to stream. Ah. And, you know, in today's day and age, how else am I going to watch it? Yeah, yeah. So I've heard about that. I didn't realize until um, I heard Sam mention it uh, that that. John Carpenter was the original director of the, of the first Halloween. So yes, yeah, yes. Um, so if you have a prescription, a sub prescription, <laughs> do you need an RX pad? <laughs> um, a, Does it say Hulu or Netflix? I can't fucking read this thing. Um, subscription. It's on Peacock, and um, it is also on Shutter. Subscription. Oh, um, okay. Yes, yeah, um, it's a horror based And service. you can rent it for 3.99 on Amazon Prime Video and it's 3.99 on Apple TV. So uh that's the th- the the movie the thing by the way. So Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about Halloween. Oh yeah, well Halloween okay. as well. Like I could not find this movie for the life of me like it yeah, wasn't, I had to borrow it, my buddy's Shutter account um to watch it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, like for me, I could not find it anywhere or anything like that. I actually, I I ended up renting it on um, my Amazon Prime account. So, well worth the price of admission. For sure. Like, I mean, I rented it. It was like three ninety nine. So I was all like, okay, cool. I'll do that. That's fine. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this is uh, an independent film by John Carpenter. He and uh, he co-wrote it. He directed and scored, so he did the music, and it was also co-written with producer Deborah Hill, who Deborah Hill is also a big known um, producer. Uh, she unfortunately got diagnosed with colon cancer in uh, two thousand four, so. Um, her life was definitely cut short and everything. Um, but in 2005, Hill re- reunited with Carpenter to produce the remake of The Fog uh, and was working on the Oliver Stone film uh, World Trade Center. When she died of cancer on uh, March 7th, 2005. So... Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um, yeah. Deborah Hill worked very, very close with with John. Uh, they did a lot of films together. So they did they did Halloween. They did The Fog um, and they did Escape from New York. 
which okay that's uh kurt russell right i think uh yes it starred kurt russell lee van cleef um a whole bunch of people isaac uh hayes uh harvey dean harry dean uh stanton so she also had a voice cameo in that movie as well she actually had a cameo in both halloween and the fog that was i didn't even notice her (laughs) no no shit um it would have helped if i watched the documentary and then watched halloween i would have been able to like oh i i remember them talking about that yeah i mean well i don't think they even mentioned mentioned it in the film uh in the documentary so they honestly just were talking about how great a producer deborah was and stuff so and I think she did a fantastic job. Like in the docu series, they mentioned that the the reason that the the three girls felt so real was because she wrote them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that that that's a big reason why the movie was so scary. Is yeah, because these it felt like just real people. Yeah, just living yeah. their lives. Um. So John Carpenter's Halloween, uh, starred Jamie Lee Curtis, which was her film debut. Another big name, uh, star that her first major film uh was a horror a horror movie uh jamie lee curtis is also known as a scream queen because she did a lot of other uh movies not only that but jamie lee curtis was perfect for this part because her mother um where is it uh jeanette lee was the star in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. So Yeah, that's why that's why Carpenter ended up wanting yeah, her, right? Like yeah. she had no pedigree before that. Yeah. It was just like get me or it was the producer somebody was like so they I were, know her mom, give give me that girl. Yeah, they were both uh wanting um so the cast of Halloween included veteran actor uh Donald Pleas- uh Pleasance an unknown actor, uh, actor, yeah, okay, we knew that. Um, they, they said, I, I remember specifically they said that they wanted an unknown actor for uh, the part for Lori. And Jamie Lee came up and they're all like, well, she just started uh, acting. Like she didn't really, she doesn't really, you know, Apparently, her acting wasn't like a wow figure kind of thing. But the more that they researched her background and like who her parents were, they were all like, okay, she needs to be in this movie because of Jeanette Lee. Um, So, yeah. So that was honestly like a no brainer kind of thing for that. So, um, but yeah, so this, and also um, one of the crew members, uh, his name is Nick Castle. He was the one who played uh, Michael Myers or The Shape, as they called him. Uh, yeah, the, the working title. Yeah. So, but a little bit about the film. Uh, on Halloween night in 1963, in the fictional suburban town uh, Haddonfields, uh, Illinois, six-year-old Michael Myers stabs his teenage sister Judith to death with a chef's knife. Fourteen years later, he is incarcerated at Smith's Grove uh, Sanitarium 
On October 30th, 1978, Mike, Michael's psychiatrist, Dr. Samuel Loomis, arrives at the sanitarium to escort Michael to, to court for a hearing. Loomis hopes that Michael will be locked up for life. Michael escapes Smith's Grove, killing uh, a mechanic for his coveralls on the way back to, Hoden, uh, to Haddonfield. Uh, upon arriving, he steals knives, rope, and a white expressionless mask from a hardware store. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, the iconic Michael Myers mask is actually a um, uh, Captain Kirk mask. And I was I was <laughs> lied to for years too. I don't you know think if you heard the rumor. Well, I knew it was uh, uh, Captain Kirk, but I was always told that it was just flipped inside out. Really? And used that way. Yeah, that really? was the rumor that, that that my partner, same thing. She had always heard that. That was like common knowledge. And then we watched this docuseries and they're just like, no, nah, we just painted it white. Yeah, it was, got rid of the eyebrows out. and the sideburns, paint, paint, uh, colored, uh, colored it white and darkened the hair. And then that was, they also kind of like, cut out the uh, the eyes a little bit more so like there was no yeah. like eyelids or anything so yeah no it's genuinely terrifying yeah like i'll never yeah. look at william shatner the same yeah. again um so the <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um <laughs> the film's budget was 30 between Thirty thousand to uh, th- uh sorry not thirty thousand. wow that is like the most cheap like low budget horror film ever um that would be a hell of a feat yeah <laughs> uh, the movie the movie's budget was three hundred and three hundred thousand dollars um to uh three hundred and twenty five thousand um which isn't shit i mean we were praising nightmare on elm oh, street for a million dollar budget yeah this is, a this, third is of that. this is chump changed right here like compa- absolutely in not. comparison so yeah but like honestly throughout the whole film like on that that 300k it mainly that was that that whole thing was mainly put into the cameras that they used uh for and the i film. love that yeah i love that so much yeah like, so, we'll make do with everything else we can get horror elsewhere what we can't get is good film quality yes yes and that's why i think i love um carpenter so much because of he was very delicate in with what type of um equipment he wanted to use and and his vision for this film in particular so what how he wanted his vision for this film was he wanted like first person experience so he wanted those uh motion cameras to not be like kind of you know that typical kind of having someone have the camera on their shoulder and then walking around and but when you have that you know you can obviously see the camera going up and down but for this film it's it's clean it's smooth like it's it pretty much it's kind of what happens in the shining when uh, yes, when Danny yes. is kind of um riding his tricycle around the halls and how the the camera is just following him around, so. which 
quick aside, that is the all-time scariest scene I have ever seen in a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that one particular. But yeah, and I, I, I love Back to Halloween, but they he wastes no time showing off what this camera yeah, can do. The uh, first scene yeah. is this long-ass one-shot of Michael as a kid. Right. I, I actually just found the name of the camera. So it's a clone of the Steadicam. It's called a Panaglide. Hell yeah. Um, so that's pretty much majority of what the film was filmed on was the the panaglide so and it was like a then new camera that allowed filmmakers to move around spaces smoothly so um yeah so that i really really enjoyed like you can totally tell like in comparison from um night a nightmare on elm street like if you put these two films like side by side, like you can totally tell like how delicate and how um, honestly charismatic uh, John Carpenter's Halloween is compared to um, Nightmare on Elm Street, in my opinion. Like I, I really enjoyed the camera angles and just how the camera was following everybody uh in in the movie and also like just kind of how they did like this first person kind of thing too especially in the beginning of the movie with the whole um going up to the house and then it moving to the side and then looking into the window and then kind of going through the back through the kitchen and then the kid grabbing the chef's knife and then just walking through the halls and seeing the the guy leave the house and then all of a sudden him picking up the the mask and putting the mask on over the camera and stuff like that so um, yeah I love that it's so creative yeah and I love learning how how films and art is made it's like well we had to figure out a way to make this one continuous shot and just the little genius of just put the mask over the camera for just a frame yeah and then we can do it all over again so cool yeah um oh my gosh I was gonna say something but now I forgot oh I'm sorry forgot. no it's fine <laughs> um shoot yep it's gone I can't think of it <laughs> <laughs> it's okay it's all right we'll get i'm sure it'll come back it, as hoping. soon as we're done recording you'll be like oh the thing i remember yeah <laughs> oh man um yeah so like uh what was the, um you know your favorite parts of this film uh okay so i have uh two parts that are definitely without a doubt my favorite um first one was when Michael Myers is chasing Jamie Lee Curtis and she's in the closet, like huddled back. Yes. And he's like jangling the door. And even yeah. before that, as as you know, he's coming up. Yeah, and yeah, she's, yeah. It feels like a very hopeless situation. And I thought that uh, I thought that spooked the shit out of me. And then <laughs> right at the end, like I, I audibly looked at my partner and said, that's not how it ends. Right. Fuck you. That's not how it ends. <laughs> Where he just he shoots him. He falls off the balcony and then they look back and he's just gone and then credits roll. Yeah. Um, that fucking goddamn, that actually scared me. <laughs> I start looking out my window like, I don't know, man, he could be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, How about yourself, though? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I, I personally, I think I like the very beginning of the film, uh, even before any of the events happen, is kind of 
pretty much what I described, like how they use the paraglide, uh, the panaglide uh, to to do that with the house and, and pretty much did the death of Judith Myers and stuff. Yeah. Oh, now I, now I remember what I was going to say. Um, Hell John yeah. Carpenter and also the guy who pretty much per, produced alongside with Deborah Hall. I forget. Damn it. I forget the guy who kind of did like word of mouth for this film. I know. I can see his face. Yeah. It's burned into my head. I can't remember his name. I feel terrible. Um, if you watch the documentary episode, you'll know who he is. Um, yeah, he's but another he, very prominent. Figure. He didn't really want any blood in the move in the movie at all, and neither yeah. did John. Really, like he didn't want to show any blood at all, uh, even though they did have blood on hand to use, and and that's pretty much where majority. Like, honestly, the most blood that you will see in this entire film is the very beginning of the movie when uh, Judith, Judith Myers gets killed. Um, yeah. So yeah. Now, I didn't watch the documentary until after, and it, that blew my mind because I watched the whole movie, and I, it never occurred to me that there was almost no yeah. blood. There was no gore. Yeah, there was, was like, Holy shit. very little, very little uh, blood. Uh, I think, honestly, the the very few blood that you see is that scene. Also the scene with, um, I think his name is Bob. It was the, oh, what is her name? Linda. It was her boyfriend that she was. Was this the guy that got stuck to the wall yes. with the kitchen knife? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Even then, though, like just a little bit of blood, so you know that the guy actually got stabbed. Yeah. But nothing over the top. Yeah. And I-, I will say that whole scene just was all like that can never happen. Like that, like getting stabbed and and just getting hung by like a single kitchen chef's knife can never <laughs> exist. It cannot happen. Like a body cannot be held by a single knife like that. Especially Listen, Danny stuck a lot of people es- to the walls. Es- okay, she would know. Yeah, especially uh, like on a pantry door. Like oh, hell no. Yeah, that thing's swinging open. At least you're falling. It's all messy. yeah, yeah. So, um, but also like another thing that I really enjoyed about this film was kind of like how. This movie also does like mind tricks for you too because they wanted they wanted the viewer to kind of follow um the person and also the eerie music that happens in the movie too. They wanted the audience to to pay attention to the right side of the movie. But then all of a sudden they have to like quickly look at the left because there's there's Michael right there. Like behind, like so. For example, when Annie Brackett is about to die in the car, um, you know she, you can see obviously there's no one behind her, um. So and she's kind of like getting her things all together and stuff, and then all of a sudden she noticed, like when she turned on the car, she noticed that the, um, windows were like foggy, and she didn't know why. So she like kind of leaned over and she kind of like put her finger to like rub on the the fog of the the window and then all of a sudden like to your right boom you see um you see Michael 
and she's and he's strangling her and 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 that's it like she died uh same thing when Lori goes to the house uh because you know she hasn't heard from Annie or even Linda for that matter like she had, she didn't hear from anybody uh because when Linda called and was all like hey you know have you seen like have you heard from Annie at all like I haven't heard from her and blah 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 so um but then you know her last phone call with Linda was when she was getting strangled by by Michael again and that's when uh Lori decided to go to the house to and like investigate and stuff and then she goes in to the bedroom and she sees Annie kind of sprawled out on the bed and then you see the tombstone of Judith Myers and like you know Lori is like all terrified and scared and she goes into like that corner Mm -hmm. with that opening of the hallway or something and obviously there's nobody there but then all of a sudden there's there's a like a light and the the music gets cued and boom like you see the face of um of michael and then he attacks um uh laurie and laurie yeah i loved uh listening to the filmmakers explain how that was done too to where it was just a little dimming light just just enough to reveal him and like all the things you're saying, I also love about the movie the way that Carpenter is continuously making you feel uncomfortable, yeah, and then yeah. putting you at ease just to make you feel uncomfortable again mm-hmm. when Michael actually does attack. Yeah, yeah. Um, I found the producer's name. Hell yeah! <laughs> His name is Erwin Yablans. Uh, okay, yeah. So, at yep. uh, Halloween was his first film that he produced. Um, and the financer, I'm not even going to bother trying to pronounce his name because he's a Syrian American film producer who financed the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, this film, honestly, like for as old as it is, it was a, I think it's, it still holds up even though it's a 1978 movie. I wouldn't say it's scary, but it does make you feel uncomfortable in certain situations. Sure, sure. Like, um, and that that all the things that we've already talked about the way that the the cinematography, the cinematography, huh? yeah. <laughs> but that it was all done in in such a way to where you didn't need these bloody, gory events. Um, it was all like uh, the the producer guy kept saying, "Theater of the mind." Yes, it's, yes, you yes, make yes. your own fear, right? Yeah, and yeah, it it. It, as far as visuals go, I was surprised, especially considering this was 1978, like not even into the 80s yet. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. looks so good. Yeah. So yeah. goddamn Very good. little. I mean, honestly, you don't really need a whole lot of special effects for this movie because it's, again, it's not, it's not an imaginative movie like Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street is like a supernatural kind of thing where you do kind of need those special effects for certain things whereas this you know it's it's a simple kind of uh slasher film and it's just a regular guy who is 
troubled. Uh, literally, he's a psychopath, and he wears a mask and coverall coveralls. I I, I want to keep saying overalls, but they're not overalls; they're coveralls. That would be way less scary if he's just running around in some overalls. I mean, then it would be uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yep, yep. <laughs> no, I think the simplicity of Michael Myers really plays into plays into his fear. Yeah, it's, like you said, yeah. it's just a all for all intents and purposes, other than him being apparently superhuman. But that that's neither here nor there. But he's just a guy. Like anybody could be Michael Myers. Somebody who just kind of snaps one day. Could be your neighbor. This is a nice suburb. What's saying it couldn't be your nice suburb? Yes. Yeah. Um. So this film, this movie actually did, wasn't like a bit a huge hit at the box office like opening day. Um. It gradually over time it it did exceptionally well. So Erwin Yablobs. Yab- I don't know how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> Yablobs. Yablobs. Um, so the, uh, the the distribution for this movie, it Halloween per- premiered on October 24th, 1978 in downtown Kansas City, Missouri uh, at an AMC Empire Theater. Um, and then it reached, like, it did so well because it was like a word of mouth kind of thing that's what uh erwin wanted uh because nobody wanted to fund like wanted to distribute this film like i think he showed it to like all the big wig um uh companies like paramount plus and like columbia and all that kind of stuff so because this at the time was an independent film so and it was so low budget so he took it upon himself because he had the backgrounds of doing film distribution that he just did it himself and you know he went to certain um big towns so like that's where he started he started in kansas city and then over time the more people who went to go see it they would go back and call up you know their friends and say you got to see this movie and then that's literally how it, it gradually went and that's when he said okay so if it's doing so well here I'm gonna put it in New York uh and Philadelphia and that's kind of like where it skyrocketed and it grossed um practically over a million dollars in uh, 900 and 800, oh, sorry, 198 theaters across the U.S. Uh, in its opening week. So, and then the film grossed uh, 47 million in the United States and an additional 23 million internationally. So, making it a total of a 70 million dollar m- uh, movie. So making yeah, that's not that's not bad. Yeah, that's so making this in the indie film a success. <laughs> I would say so, and like like you mentioned, all those genius marketing strategies, and then on top of that, um, how everyone was like, we'll call the movie Halloween, and that way every year we have the holiday movie. Yeah, it's going to be playing yeah. in every theater mm-hmm. until the end of time. Right, and. By the way, I also really enjoyed that when Irwin found John Carpenter, there were a couple demands that John yes. wanted. 
One of them was, of course, Deborah Hill because he he's worked with Deborah Hill. There was a few other demands that I forget, but the one it's like ten thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Um, and to have his name at the top of the title, I think that was like the literally the cherry on top. I I think it really was too, and I. <laughs> I I love that. Literally, I, I think he's so a smart. Much. I think John Carpenter was a smart man by doing that because forever, it will be known as John Carpenter's Halloween. And forever. that's like a, that's a constant thing for him because the thing I knew was John Carpenter's the thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a way to get your name out there yeah. for sure to slap it on the front of your movies. Right, right. To just have your name splat up there. Um, I mean. I don't think I've ever seen any other John Carpenter films. I am curious on on his other films he made, particularly Christine, because, again, that's like another scary movie. Um, but I'm just really curious on his version of like a Stephen King flick. Because, For sure. honestly, the only Stephen King movie that I have seen is The Shining. And... Um, that's, that's all I know of Stephen King, really. And, of course, like, It and, um, I think Cujo. Is Cujo a Stephen King film? Cujo is Stephen King, yeah. Yeah. So, those are the only ones that I know of, of Stephen King, but also, like, I... They were scary movies, so I never really watched them aside from The Shining. Like, I saw The Shining way later because that was more of a psychological thriller versus, like, a hacking slash. Yeah. So. um, But, yeah, uh, this film went on to make many other films. So uh, this film is considered one of the greatest and most influential horror films ever made. So I I would agree with that. Yeah, I would totally. As far as like modern day slashers go, this is really the granddad of modern day slashers. Yeah. Um, Halloween spanned uh, a film franchise uh, uh, compromising uh, 13 films, which helped construct an extensive backstory for its antagonist Michael Myers sometimes narratively diverging entirely from previous installments meaning um, a lot of the uh, successor Halloween films kind of literally had nothing to do with this film in particular so yeah all the Rob Zombie ones were complete reboots he wanted to have his own take on Michael Myers I guess Mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly um the only like sequels well halloween 2 i would like is kind of a direct sequel to this one because they put a little twist that laurie is actually a sibling of michael myers um okay yeah however i did hear that rumor um so but the 11th installment which was the newest like halloween which released into 2018 the director of that film, who is David Gordon Green, he disregarded all of the sequels, including Halloween 2. So the trilogy that just released, so Halloween, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends, 
is a direct sequel to John Carpenter's Halloween. That's pretty cool. I I dig that. Yeah. So, like, so he didn't and put in like Laurie Stro- uh, Strode is related to Michael Myers. Like that doesn't exist in these movies. That's probably for the best. I think the sometimes you get a little too convoluted with the backstory. You try to connect too many wires. Yeah. And things just get really messy. Yeah. So, um. I mean, there's no telling. I mean, I never saw any of those films, like the later ones, because special effects got more advanced and more realistic. So I don't know if I can uh, handle something like that just yet. Uh, Low-key, I kind of wish Sam was here because Halloween is one of uh, Sam's favorite slashers like she loves she's a big fan of michael myers um i'm quoting her from the our last cinematography and all everyone knows this uh michael myers is the greatest slasher of all time that's what she says uh and honestly i kind of agree with your with her especially with this movie i really really liked this movie in particular yeah, so I was coming in, um, as I heard Sam say that on your last episode, and I was coming in with the fire. I was like, you know what? Fre- Freddy Krueger, he's the real scary guy. You know how you get rid of Michael Myers? Board an international flight. Yeah. How's he going to get on one of those? <laughs> but, yeah, move out of uh, Michael Myers' hometown, because that's literally where he only goes. Like, yeah. He doesn't like, go anywhere else. <laughs> Just move to New Zealand and you at least get some time away from Michael Myers. Can he swim that far? Yeah. I don't know what he can't do. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I was waiting for like some fist fight, like fist flying uh, if Sam was going to be on this and stuff. So... Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Um, I really wanted to get... I'm going to have to hit her up uh, personally uh, on our own time because I was curious... uh, are you familiar with the third Halloween movie at all? I know you probably haven't watched it, but um, do you know what it's about? So the third Halloween three, which was, I think the title was Halloween three seasons of a witch or something like that. Yeah. It's season of the witch. So I wanted to get her thoughts on it. So I, I watched that when I was 13, 14. I was like, I'm finally going to watch a Michael Myers movie. Right. I watched the entire fucking thing. And There's he, no big stabby guy. He's yeah, not in he the movie. Yeah, he doesn't show up. Yeah. So I actually looked into this movie a little bit. And um, Tommy Lee Wallace wrote and directed this. And if you don't know who Tommy Lee Wallace is, he is the guy who designed the Michael Myers mask. Um, oh, oh yes, okay, yeah, he was he was in the documentary. Yes. Okay, I'm yeah. remembering now. Yeah, um, he directed this. He this film, it departs from the slasher genre uh, of like the la- the first two films, and it's instead f- features witchcraft, a witchcraft theme with science fiction aspects. So, and. They so I I'm, I actually went on the wiki and it says as the series, as with the with the series other films, suspense tension are key th- are key themes exploring violence against young children. Um, 
where else did I? Oh, here it is. Okay. John Carpenter and Deborah Hill believes that the Hollow halloween series could have been an anthology series of films that centered around halloween night so uh with each sequel containing its own character setting and storyline uh director wallace stated there were many ideas for halloween themed films some of which could have potentially created any number of their own sequels and that season of the witch was meant to be the first so john carpenter kind of had this vision of halloween like so they're really honestly michael myers was just a character for those first two films and then this one was kind of like an installment of you know just a halloween night experience kind of thing Okay, like, I and I think it's a really cool idea, you know, Halloween masks turning kids into, like, zombies or whatever it was going for. Yeah. But I can't tell you my disappointment thinking I'm going to see Michael Myers and an hour yeah. and a half later, he's nowhere to be found. Yeah, so that's, so this, that film, um, where is it? Uh, the budget on, uh, the, the movie's budget was $2.5 million. And uh, Halloween 3 made a profit of grossing $14.4 million at the box office in the U.S., but it was also the poorest performing film in the Halloween series at the time. Most critics, critics gave the film negative reviews despite the reception reevaluation in later years has given Halloween 3 new lesions of fans and has established its own reputation as a standalone cult film. So um, over time, so it's kind of honestly like a lot of things that have. So last last week we talked about the craft. The craft had a lot of controversies because of the whole witchcraft theme and everything. And that's kind of what happened with this film. Now, by the way, I never watched this film at all. So I have no idea what happens. Uh, This was just like me going down the rabbit hole um, and just looking into it and stuff. Sure, yeah. So, um, but this, honestly, I mean, if you really think about it as not, like, part of the Halloween, like, Michael Myers series, um, you know, it's, it, it, it is, like, it's standalone film. Like, if you just don't think about, like, it, it trying to be, like, a Michael Myers thing, then I, I'm pretty sure it's a really good film. So yeah, I'm gonna have to rewatch it to to make a better decision. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because I I think it's probably I the more you t- talk about it and the more it's like oh this was kind of John Carpenter's vision too. It's like all right, well there must be something behind this. Yeah, thing. yeah. So uh, and so the wiki says uh, Halloween is the only entry in the series that does not feature the series antagonist Michael Myers. After the film's disappointing reception at the box office performance, Michael Myers was brought back six years later in Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. So, so, pro tip anybody out there, if you want to see Michael Myers for the first time, don't choose three. Choose any other Halloween movie. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I think that's kind of why this uh, season of The Witch got such negative reviews is because the first two films, Halloween and Halloween 2, it had Michael Myers in it. So 
when when you finally have a third installment, people are expecting to see that antagonist in in the movie. Um, honestly, I think if they didn't put Halloween three and just put season of the witch, I think it. Oh yeah, I think it probably would have done so much better. Yeah, I think I think a lot of. Uh, critics probably would have seen the movie a lot differently and and a lot of fans who kind of do the following of like the big slasher characters like michael myers like if it didn't have the title halloween in it i'm pretty sure it would have done the outcome for it would have been different very very different i would have had a different outlook on it because again the only reason i thought michael myers was in it because of pop culture osmosis yeah. he's the halloween guy yeah you know? yeah yeah so um yeah uh do you have any final thoughts for this movie and what do you rate it ah uh, final thoughts again i think i've said it all but just to recap the fact that this was made in the late 70s and it looks better than better than a lot of movies that came after it i think the visuals still hold up today i think it's still for what it tried to do be a horror movie with no gore no blood and just play with you that suspense i think it did a masterful job and i think i'm gonna give it a nine nine out of ten at the end of the day there were no no moments that made me actually jump out of my seat yeah but a lot of moments that made me feel super unsettled right yeah i i can agree with you honestly i think i'm gonna give it a nine as well hell yeah teamwork yeah teamwork makes dream work um just because it's an independent film and and just by watching the documentary episode it really opened my eyes and it 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 really showed you that the crew from like the director to the film producer to everybody who was a part of that film really cared about what went on in the film too so uh and it was also really fun to see, you know, people's experience and how they talked about the film and everything like that. So, and of course, this film inspired a nightmare, a nightmare on Elm Street, and uh, among other uh, horror genres that is out there. So, yeah, I really liked this movie more so for the arts the artsy part of it like John Carpenter really cared about camera angles and the cinematography throughout the (laughs) film (laughs) so will it inspire me to watch more Halloween movies maybe maybe the older ones I don't know if I will watch the like the new like the sequels like the the true like the 2018 ones like anything i think past um like maybe the 2000s i probably won't or maybe even in the 90s i probably won't watch because again like things like cinema has gotten better over the years and graphics and special effects have got improved drastically so maybe i won't i don't know 
<laughs> well, I'm I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for your potential journey. And uh, honestly, I mean, I, I hope you end up doing this again next year when it comes spooky season. I mean, again, I kind of if... want to start to make this into like a an annual thing. So who knows? Maybe I'll do another Halloween movie. I don't know. We'll I, see what happens. I, I, you... You know, I feel that. And then then it's like, I don't have to watch scary movies until October. Yeah. I'm fine. And then I'll get them out of the way for the year. Yeah, it's good. yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, there are a lot. I mean, there's there are not just like slashers that are just known for Halloween. Um, I mean, there's like a lot of other like fun movies like The Addams Family and Beetlejuice and all True. that kind of stuff that I definitely would love to talk about and everything. Um, because those are the movies that I like to watch during Halloween are like the Halloween themed comedies and stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. It's like it's everything. It's a horror aesthetic, but it takes itself way more lightly than a Halloween or a Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, yes, yes. So, but um, yes, thank you, Earthworm, for uh, coming on and doing this with me. This was a lot of fun. I will definitely want to do this again next year or I mean not just like just do Halloween themes like I would a lot of just movies in general I I love doing these kind of kinds of things so yeah oh thank you so much for having me like yeah. it, this is a lot of fun and I've really just gotten into horror within the past probably years when I've really wanted to delve into it yeah so yeah any excuse I have to watch <laughs> some old classics I'll take that all day awesome this wonderful yay uh is there anything you want to like shout out or a uh, plug uh for your own podcast uh, well, I am from the Anime Brothers podcast, uh, me and my co-host JD. We do weekly episodes, sometimes broad discussion topics, sometimes reviewing an entire anime. Uh, I believe, is this coming out before Halloween, Danny? Yes, is this is coming. Okay. This is going to be coming out um, Friday. So we're recording Monday, so it'll come out on the 28th, which Okay, is well, if you... If y'all listening want more spooky content, uh, hopefully it's kind of up, up the same alley. But uh, you know, go in that search bar wherever you're listening. Hopefully Spotify, because you know you need to give these people uh, a five star rating. But that's neither here nor there. But uh, search up the Anime Brothers, and we have a Halloween episode coming up. We are going to be reviewing Devilman Crybaby. Ooh. So I'm very excited to delve into Misaki Yuasa's Pit of Despair. He is not my favorite director. I have, I don't think I've seen anything of his yet, and I I, pre- I appreciate when anime goes off model to do wacky animation yeah. and just make things look fluid. Yeah, and I've yeah. heard he's a very 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 good at that. He's so very excited. good. He's a weird. His his choices of direction is odd. Uh, Fair enough. Well, hopefully it's <laughs> just my kind of odd because I I dig some weird shit, okay. but hopefully. Hopefully, everybody, you know, come over on to the Anime Brothers podcast. We'd, we'd love to have you. Nice. Awesome. Um, yeah. So this episode, I hope you guys enjoy it and also enjoy uh, the Jinji Ito collection and Tomi uh, review that uh, me and Nick do. So, um, yeah, stay spooky, my friends. Stay safe out on Halloween if anyone does go out and everything like that. And we'll see you on the flip side. Bye. Bye.